So God is working in amazing ways in Africa. And if you want to keep up with God, you have to keep up with what he's doing there. Now, you are the ones that have made it possible for us to be here. But a missionary can't come without giving you a challenge. So I'm going to give you a challenge that comes from the Word of God, beginning to read at 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning to read at verse 3. This is page 993 in your pew Bible. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now, there is a great gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we should be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, for by it professing some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. May God bless to our hearts the reading and hearing of this portion of his holy, inspired, infallible, and inerrant word. 
I cannot fail to recognize our co-laborer and good friend since seminary days many years ago, Bill and Marilyn Coinga, sitting over there. And Bill, I remember your sermon in seminary on Old Man of God. So you made an impression many, many years ago that still is with me. A good sermon on Old Man of God. Maybe you can get him even to preach that sermon that he preached 40 or 50 years ago in Westminster Theological Seminary. Well, let's pray. Our God and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of having your word to speak to us. It's as though you came down from heaven, even as you spoke from the Mount of Sinai to your people Israel. So now you speak in a softer and more gentle voice, no loud trumpets, no burning fire, no sound of thunder, but the small voice that comes from the Bible, your holy word. And now we ask that in a powerful way, your Holy Spirit may take this word and speak to our hearts that we may be saved from many ills in this life and may find the joy of serving you. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The sermon is entitled, Rich, 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 Rich. We will see that in this passage of Scripture, there are four references to this and usage of this word, this same word, rich. People have a strange ambiguity about being rich. Rich people don't want to be known as rich, do they? In other words, I've got a little notebook in my pocket, but otherwise you can see I'm a poor man. You, you notice here, I, I've lost a button on this jacket. And I even, in my rush this morning, I picked up the wrong jacket to go with these pants. So I'm a, I'm a really poor man, and I, I want you to know that I'm poor, see? Now, I may have a bigger bank account, but I want you to think I'm poor. I think it was Get, a fellow named Getty who was a magnate in terms of the, the oil industry who went around in ragged clothes and disheveled hair He was like a hermit, and yet he was wealthy, billions of dollars. People that are rich don't want anybody to know they're rich. And on the other hand, people are poor many times. They like to look like they're rich. So a poor person will go get some nice clothes, and and he'll get the biggest television set that he can buy, and he'll borrow whatever money he can to get the fanciest-looking car, and he wants you to think that he's rich. That's a, that's a strange duplicity, isn't it, about riches? You, you really can't tell who's rich and who's not rich. Well, God's Word doesn't have this kind of ambiguity. It talks straight to the rich and straight about riches and You need to recognize that we are the rich. We are the rich. Now, I know you had Hurricane Katrina. My family, my forefathers lost their house right down the road in Gulfport in that Katrina, and it's gone. And it's not there anymore. We have nothing to show for that. And I know that we're in a depression in terms of financial situation and Worldwide economy today, and you may, you may have, many of you may have, may be without jobs, and you may not be rich. But thinking 
temporally in terms of the history of the world, there is no question that the West is the richest community that the world has ever known. Julius Caesar could not get in a, an air-conditioned limousine and drive over his empire in Rome. And Herod, who had a winter palace down in the warmer climate near the Dead Sea, and another palace up in Jerusalem, 2,500 feet above sea level, down to 1,300 feet below sea level, down there, he didn't drive in a heated vehicle. At best, he, he may have been on the back of a camel, or he may have had a chariot with wooden wheels as he bounced all the way down there. And when he got there, he, he didn't have nice heaters, central heating in his palace down there as we have. And the, the food that we eat, no, no king could eat the way you eat. You can go into to Winn-Dixie or to Walmart and any time of the year you can get fresh fruit. You can get vegetables of all sorts, cereals, boxes. And my problem coming from Africa is all the decisions that you have to make as to what kind of milk you want. You want 2%, 1%, 0%, whole milk, etc. You could spend all day trying to make decisions because of all the wealth that we have here in this country. In terms of time, we are the wealthiest people that have ever lived in the history of the world. We, all of us, the poorest of us, live as kings and queens. And in terms of globally today, the West is still the wealthiest. The West is the wealthiest. You, you, you come to Africa and you see just how poor people can live. You see these ragged children with nothing, no educational facilities available to them, hardly one pair of clean clothes to, to wear. You don't ever complain about what you have here in the wealth in the, in the West, because you are the wealthiest people of the world. Now, is there anything wrong with being rich? Well, if you got it legally, no, there's nothing wrong with being rich. And the Bible is full of people that are wealthy people. Abraham, if you read, when, you remember when Lot was captured and Abraham went after him? What did he go with? 314 of his own personal militia. He had a personal militia, Abraham did, of 314 people. How did he support 314 people? Soldiers. Well, he was a very wealthy man. Job is described as the wealthiest man in the East of, of all those sheiks that lived out there. Job was the wealthiest. He had the biggest tent of anyone and the greatest number of head of cattle and so forth. David and Solomon were very wealthy people. So there's nothing wrong with being wealthy as such. Yet, there are serious dangers, serious dangers, and very important duties, as well as unique delights that belong to the rich. And God's Word talks about all of these things. Let's look at these from 1 Timothy chapter 6, noting beginning at verse 17, where he says, Command those who are rich in this present world. 
And first of all, he tells of the, of the dangers of being rich. The first danger of being rich is that you get high-minded. You get proud. You get snooty. When I was a little boy growing up in Mississippi, we used to go, go down to the Pearl River and, and hunt for soft-shelled turtles. Now, you've seen a hard-shelled turtle, a greenback, but have you ever seen a soft-shelled turtle? They're the nicest pets. If I could find one for my boys, I would find one. They, they have soft, rubbery shells, and, and they're tan, and, and the same color as the sand. And they have these brown spots on them, and they can't bite because they're so soft, but they have this little snoot, and sometimes they bury themselves in the sand, and you can't hardly see them, but they, you'll see this little snoot that's sticking up. And that's where the word snooty comes from. A nose that's lifted up like this and looking down at other people. Snooty. And that's the danger of the rich, that they can be snooty. We were over at the pier just yesterday. Had to get down to the sand to see the beach where I grew up. And underneath the pavilion there, I, I saw some street people. And... I get a little worried about street people. What, who are these people? What, what, what are they like? And sometimes we, we look down at people that have less than we have in terms of clothing or housing or whatever, and we can be snooty about it. And we think our children, well, they deserve the best and need to go to the best schools, and their children, we can just, we don't worry about them. Well, in Uganda, we have a ministry to the street children. And the one who leads that ministry to street children was a street child. And now he is the director of our radio station. He grew up on the streets of Uganda. And do you know what, what some unconscionable people do? It gets cold sometimes, even on the equator. And, and they, they get a little plastic bag and, and they put some glue in it. And they sell it to these street children so that when it's a cold day, they can, they can sniff the glue and they get a little, un, little woozy and they don't feel the heat, the cold so much. Isn't that terrible? To prey on street children? But we look down our nose at them. They're not worthy of our attention. Being snooty. Rich people... God's Word warns you that this is a dangerous thing, that you can become snooty and think that you're better than other people because you've got more wealth or more education or, or blue blood running within your veins. Be warned. God's Word says, Command, charge those who are rich in this present age not to be high-minded. That's your first danger. Search your heart and see. And where you are looking down at other people, ask God to forgive you and ask Him to change you so that you will not fall into the trap of the rich. Secondly, he says, this is the second danger that you have, and that is that you can put your hope in uncertain riches. This is a big danger for the rich. To put your hope in uncertain riches. 
Get it? What, what is your, your hedge for the future? Is it investment? Is it stock or bonds? Which, which is going to be the best to put your money in? Stocks or bonds? Or is it land? Or is it silver that you've hidden away? Or gold that you've got somewhere? Be careful. God's word says, charge those who are rich in this world that they do not put their hope in uncertain riches. This word uncertain is is like looking through a maze. Or and you can't quite see what's what's out there. And and you, you think you've got that much value in stock. Or, or you, you think you've got that much that's going to carry you in your future? Or, or you think you've got enough insurance to take you through those last illnesses of your life? But you can't really be quite sure, can you? All those riches are uncertain. Rich people, this is God's warning to you. This is God's charge to you. Do not put your hope in uncertain riches. And I see a few young people over here and I want to tell you, don't make making money your goal in life. If you make money your goal in life, you're going to be deceived because it's not going to be what you think it is. If you think I'm going to make a lot of money in life and that's your goal, you know, I, I was an assistant pastor in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, when I was becoming a pastor and after church one Sunday this, this man came up to me and he said you know, you're, you're doing what's right with your life all I've done with my life is make money he was empty because all he had made money but it meant nothing to him be careful that you do not put your hope for the future in uncertain riches that's a warning to those who are rich. In Richmond, Virginia, there is a beautiful boulevard that runs down to Union Theological Seminary. These tall trees, beautiful lawns, large two-story houses set back. It's just the kind of place that you would want to live, right? Do you know what they call that street? They call that street Suicide Row. Why do you think they call it Suicide Row? Because those people trusted in riches. And when the Great Depression came in 1929, they lost everything. They lost those houses. But because they had put their hope and their trust in those uncertain riches, and they lost those riches, they took their own lives. Hear God's Word. Do not put your hope in uncertain riches. So, Jesus told a parable, you remember, about the rich fool. Soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Eat, drink, and be merry. And then God spoke to him, Fool, tonight your soul will be required of you. Tonight you're going to have to give account to God who gave you all of those riches. And what kind of account are you going to give? when you were God's steward. So, don't be a fool. 
Don't fail to listen to the warnings for the rich about those dangers. Now, secondly, this word from God to the rich specifically talks about the duties of the rich. And it gives five duties. And these should be seen not as burdensome laws, but they should be seen and read as special opportunities that the rich have that the poor don't have. Do you realize that? That as a rich person, and we are the rich, as a rich person, you have special opportunities with that money that you have. Now, the first duty, he says, is charge those that are rich in this world that they do not be proud or snooty and not put their hope in uncertain riches, but in God who gives them all things richly to enjoy. This is your first charge. And obviously it's not a burden, is it? Put your trust in God. Put your hope in God. And if you today are trusting in your ability to make money or in the money that you've already made, then repent and turn today and put your hope Totally. And if you're a young person, focus your future in God and in serving Him. Put your hope in God, the unchanging one, the unseen one, the one who gives and the one who takes away. And it's only as you put your hope in Him that you can say, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Has not God given you richly cars? So many cars that they're stuck in your driveway and you can't find a place to put them all. Houses, houses too big to keep clean. Food, more food than than you ought to be eating. Drink, clothes, family, job, church, freedoms. 97 channels on the TV. Whoever needed 97 channels on the TV? God has given you richly. Now it's God who's given it to you. It's a gift. You you didn't get that ability to earn from yourself. God gave you that ability, whatever it is that you have. And whatever wealth you inherited, that's a gift from God. And God gives richly to you All things to enjoy. You know what the Apostle Paul said. Sometimes people think the Apostle Paul was an old killjoy. But Paul says, I've learned how to abound. And I've learned how to suffer need. You can abound. Because God gives it to you. And you can enjoy it. You know, I I had no interest whatsoever in coffee. I I just didn't like coffee. And then one day, after I passed 70 years of age, we went into this little place, and this fellow had this big cup like this and all this foamy stuff on top. And I said to the waiter, I'll take one of those. But it was a chococino, a coffee chino, a chococino with, with whatever it is, but it... I drank that and I was hooked. And, and I've been hooked ever since. And I was so happy that our, our P. 
people that we were staying with had a cup of coffee when I woke up this morning that I could go down and get my cup of coffee. One of the strangest prayers that I've ever heard in my early days was, Lord, thank you for the stimulation of coffee. And I thought that was the strangest prayer. But now I wake up and I say, Lord, thank you for the stimulation of coffee. And I enjoy that cup of coffee. God gives you all things to enjoy. One of the early church fathers said, Be sure you take time to smell the flowers. Be sure you take time to smell the flowers. Everything. Don't, don't get so enwrapped in all the busy routines of life that you can't enjoy all that God has given you. He gives you freely, abundantly, richly, all things to enjoy. So rich people, don't go around like this, like Scrooge, but go around and enjoy what God has given you. That's your first duty. Now your second duty, God charges you, do good. Be beneficent. You as a rich person have a unique opportunity that poorer, people poorer than you do not have. They don't have the power to do what you can do with the resources that you have. With your money, you can do all sorts of good things. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, they, they used to go down to the street kids downtown Philadelphia and take them off the street and take them out to a camp in, into the woods to teach them Bible all day. And those kids, they'd wake up in the morning the first day with circles under their eyes. They, they couldn't sleep. You couldn't sleep out here in the woods where it's so nice and quiet? No, it wasn't quiet at all. What was all that? Crickets. All those, you know, they, they could sleep right through gunshot and sirens and fights out in the street, but they couldn't sleep for the, for the crickets and the locusts in the trees. But somebody had sponsored them to go out to that camp to learn Bible in a week. And those young people were transformed in their lives because someone did good and sent them out there. I went to Belhaven College when it had just become, it stopped being an all-girls school. Me and Buck Moselle roomed together and it shaped my life. The tuition was hardly nothing. Now it'll cost you something over $27,000 for one year of tuition at Africa. At you know, Belhaven College, $27,000. At African Bible University in Uganda, don't tell everyone, but you can get virtually the same education for $2,000. Now, those students, they don't have that money. But some of you in this congregation could write a check for $2,000 and not even notice, not even miss it, and you could sponsor... A student, every year we have several applications, people that are ready to come, prepared to come, have no resources whatsoever, and for $2,000 you could send a student through African Bible University for a year, and you wouldn't even notice it. Do good. That's what you do. Now, the third thing that you're supposed to do is to be rich in good works. Now, this is the fourth time, that's what I said, the sermon is entitled, Rich, 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 Rich. Charge those who are rich in this world, 
that they do not trust in uncertain riches because God gives richly so that you can be rich in good works. Works appropriate to you. Are you a lawyer? Do some pro bono work for nothing. Have you read John Grissom's Street Lawyer? Ah, yeah. He found out what it meant to, to be a street lawyer, to care for the street people and their rights. Or you're, you come to Uganda and you can come and be a lawyer to help the widows and the orphans. You know, women, if, if your husband dies and he had a plot of land in Uganda, the minute he dies, the uncles move in, they kick you out, and they take over that property. They're not supposed to do so. But unless a lawyer intervenes, they've lost everything. House, possession, land. If you're a lawyer, come to Uganda and you can do good. Or you're a teacher, then come to Africa and you can have a great ministry there. Are you a businessman? You should offer the best product at the best price without trying to destroy your competition. You are to improve the wealth and outward estate of others as well as yourself. Are you a builder? Are you a farmer? We def- desperately need a farm manager. We are losing money on our farm in Africa. And we need someone who knows husbandry, who knows vegetables, who knows fruit trees, who knows timber, to come and manage all of this, to find a proper market. When we were about to get cows, I went to a student who knows about cows, and I said, now I want you to show me how we can make a profit off these cows if we're going to invest in them. He says, profit? We, we don't raise cows because of profit. We raise cows because we love cows. Well, that's fine, but that's not the way you operate a school that's trying to become self-sustaining. So you are to be rich in good works. Do it all the time. Fourthly, you are to be joyfully generous. Joyfully generous. Show yourself to be a generous person, but not a grumpy person. Don't say, but with joy you give. As the Bible says, the Lord loves, and the word that's used is hilarious. The Lord loves a hilarious giver. One that's laughing so much, he gets so much joy out of giving. And that's what God wants the rich to do. He wants you as a rich person to be joyful in your giving. And finally, he wants you to graciously share the word. Here is koinonia, to enter into fellowship with the people that you're giving to. Don't be impersonal. Don't just give a little here and give a little there. But find out who these people are and give personally to that person. Person to person as you give. In the Dutch churches that Bill Coinger will know about, sometimes after the church service, the elder will come along and says, let's have a little fellowship. And he holds hand with the preacher, and then when the preacher lets go, there's some money in the hand. That's koinonia. That's fellowship. That's entering into communication with one another. Have you noticed that sometimes the poor are often the happiest people in the world? They, they seem to enjoy fellowship more than other people. When we were rededicating a church in Mozambique, 
It was dark. There weren't any stars. There wasn't any moon. Nothing. Black. No light. No electricity. No running water. Dark. And I saw a fire over there. So I went in. There were a lot of people gathered around. And I said, what is this? Well, they had a whole pig down in that hole. And they had cooked a whole pig. And they cut off a piece and said, here. That is the most delicious pulled pork I have ever had in all my life. Pulled people, they know how to enjoy things. So, graciously share as you enter into fellowship with people. So, here are the dangers. Here are the duties. And finally, what are the delights? What are the delights of the rich? In this way, as they are willing to share... The rich people will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. You can lay up for yourselves treasures in the coming age by the use of the funds that God gives you now. Now, that takes a real faith. You have to really believe in God. You have to believe in the future life. But if you do, then you can take the funds that you have now. You make an investment And then you will enter into treasures in the future life. But not only that, he says, so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Life that is truly life. One of the most puzzling parables of Jesus is found in the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And this is is how Jesus ends that parable. Verse 9, he says, I tell you, use your mammon of unrighteousness. What is that? Well, that's money. And it's so often used for unrighteous causes. Use your money of unrighteousness to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. What does that mean? Well, if you're a sponsor or a student in Uganda, you may never meet them, you may never see them on this life. But when you get to heaven... He's going to meet you and he's going to come and hug you and say, thank you so much. You're going to have all these friends gathering around you, welcoming you in heaven. You can take your mammon of unrighteousness and make use of it. Make friends with your mammon of unrighteousness so that when all your money is gone or when you're dead, they will welcome you into eternal dwelling places. But not only that, in the present, that they may experience life that is truly life. Eating steak every day, lobster, wearing fancy clothes, driving luxurious cars, wearing expensive jewelry. That's not life. That's not life. Is it? That's not satisfying. That's existence, but it's not life. But as a rich person, you can experience that which is truly life by the proper use of the wealth that God gives you. As a rich person, make full use of the unique opportunities that you have for life, now and life 
in the world to come. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the bounties that you've given us. We do not deserve any of the comforts and conveniences that we have in this life. We deserve hell because we're sinners. We should be burning and separated from you right now. But you've given this, all these pleasures and comforts and conveniences and wealth. Help us to make good use of every resource that you give us that we might enjoy this life and the life that is to come to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor, that we through his poverty might be rich. Amen.